0: This is a Bandit Radio production.
1: SEC approved the 10-game conference-only football schedule
0: for the fall that begins on September 26th. The SEC title game is scheduled for December 19th in Atlanta. A revised schedule will be announced at a later date on who is playing whom and where. You're listening to One Team One Podcast, your unfiltered source for LSU sports. Presented by Curtis the Automotive Group and Bandit Radio Productions. On this episode, we have 104.5 ESPN Radio's Charles Hanagriff. We will talk to him about SEC scheduling options and how much he thinks Miles Brennan weighs. Okay, guys, welcome back to One Team, One Podcast. It is Matt and Jack. Hey, how you doing? Good, man. Hey, we are in a studio, um, and we're actually on a Zoom call, and I can see myself on a television screen, and I'm going to try to put this out on YouTube somehow. I have no idea what I'm doing. None. You know, some shows have executive producers. Right. We do not. Yeah, I am the executive producer. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, I don't make a lot of money for that, but uh, we're gonna try it anyway. I'm gonna try to see how to do this.
2: Yeah, like if we had rolling credits at the end of this, it would just be like Matt Inch, Matt Inch, Matt Inch, mad Inch, mad Inch, mad Inch, mad Inch. <laughs> Jackson Possibilities, are mad Inch, mad Inch. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, we put this together yesterday, our little studio, so I feel very official. Um, and you know, to to kick us off for this official professional podcast uh the little podcast that could we have a special guest today yeah we have charles Hannigriff of 104.5 espn handyman the handyman can um, yeah I, i've been wanting to talk to him for quite a while and i know you had a connection with him so yeah. uh we were able to kind of get him on um you know before we get into any of that i want to have a special special shout out to brandon lejeune and courtesy automotive group Brandon's actually becoming a good friend of mine and wanted to give him another shout out. He is still pumping out uh, vehicles in Lafayette, but guys, if you're in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, wherever you're listening to this, I know we have a lot of people in Prairieville, Gonzalez, you can still reach out to Brandon and he can still hook you up with a vehicle and he can still deliver it to you. It is the ultimate way to buy a car during COVID obviously of all things. Um, so reach out to Brandon got a lot of 2020 deals right now because he's got a lot of 2021s coming in so um courtesy Buick GMC that's 4750 Johnson Street follow us on Facebook and I will post all of his stuff but give Brandon a follow on Facebook because he posts stuff all the time um also follow us on Facebook too because I'll share a lot of his stuff and whenever he's got a hot deal he'd act quick so Again, Brandon Lejeune's been really good to us at Courtesy Buick GMC. And Court Williams, too. Court Williams is a great guy. Uh, Might be doing some TV stuff with Court soon. So, they just shot a new commercial. And Court and Brandon are both in the commercial. So, um, maybe we can get that going on our podcast, too. So, um, all right. First thing we need to talk about uh, today, I think the Pelicans are actually playing right now, correct?
2: Yeah, let me see it there. Jack is like... Hold on.
0: Yeah, you're like a mess right now. You're like, we're scheduled the podcast, and the Pelicans are playing right now. And I'm like, dude, the Pelicans are done, bro. We're up by
2: we're up by nine right now.
0: They're up by nine. They're done. Late in the first quarter. They have to win out, basically. They don't have to win out. They have no. to win. What we play the Grizzlies twice. Four of their next five games.
2: Uh, we got six games left. You got a okay. So you could you could win. They gotta go five and one. You could somehow win four of the four of the next six games. I don't know, man. And like by some miracle, you're above everyone. you you get to the nine. You have to all beat have the to grizzlies, is, right? All you have to do is be at the nine.
0: You have to beat the grizzlies you have to both beat times. The grizzlies. You got Portland
2: still? And we gri- we're the Grizzlies daddy. I mean, dude, <laughs> they I mean they suck. Like they don't suck, but like
0: we So Zion, you're saying is gonna be full go? Or is let's, he still at like minute restrictions? This it. is driving me freaking bananas, and I know it's driving T-Bob bananas, but it's driving you well, bananas as so well. So far in
2: the first quarter today, he has played five minutes. So,
0: wait, how much in the first quarter? Five minutes. Five minutes in the first it's quarter. He's played his, the whole time.
2: It's more than he's played in any of the other games. Yes,
0: yes, but the whole time he's uh-huh. played. He's got five uh, points. Well, good, good. I'm yeah. glad that uh, I'm glad he's playing more. Yeah, um, it look,
2: it like okay, we had this eight game schedule. Uh, if you don't think about the order of the games, what are the two games you're probably going to lose? If you had to pick two of the 8 games, Jazz and the Clippers. And those are the two teams we've lost to so far. So I don't think it's well, I, a crazy but, yeah, but stretch. the the
0: Jazz was a complete wasted opportunity.
2: I completely
0: agree. I that. mean, you you're got this far, you're in a freaking bubble. Right. And you're going to limit minutes?
2: Yeah, that, why did he even show up?
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um right. Why'd you play him at all? Yeah, you need a win. I don't care where it comes from or how you get it. You got to have the win. So, at least play him two more minutes than he was supposed to play, for crying out loud.
2: I'm actually – it's not the end of the world if you have to put him on a minutes restriction and he can only play 15 minutes or whatever. That's fine. I don't agree with it, but it's fine. But why couldn't you have – Manage the minutes better to where that he's well, able to I, play at the. end I don't of care about that.
0: I'm I'm more about flexibility. Like, yeah, you may the doctors may say, hey, let's limit him to 15 minutes, but if we get to a situation and we need him in the last two minutes of the game, freaking play him for right. the last two minutes of the game. And I think
2: Gentry's taking a lot of the heat for that, but I don't know if that's really fair. Right. A lot of it, like, I, I feel like it's a that was a full. Uh, New, Orleans Fran- New Orleans Pelicans franchise loss. Like, everybody so. was involved in that loss. No, I agree with that. Everybody I, had their I, hand I, in that.
0: Everybody except for Zion Williamson. Zion <laughs> Williamson's the one that's sitting well, on the bench I, at the end of the day. I wouldn't even say that because – Lonely, sad face. Why is he
2: so fat? Can we talk about that? Why is he so fat?
0: Uh, well, can we talk about – what did he have? He had uh, 13 points in 15 minutes?
2: Sure, sure, absolutely. So, I don't but care how fat he is if he's got
0: that kind of production. Why
2: isn't he in shape?
0: Well, I mean, i don't know. I mean, you know, COVID... They've the,
2: had five months off. It's Why called the COVID-19
0: for a reason. So, um, all right. So, we're going to switch gears because I know you are no, very hot and bothered by the Pelicans. So, I wanted to talk about that first. But, big, big news for the week, obviously, since we have last talked, is that the SEC has now announced that it's going to be the 10-game uh, in-conference schedule, conference only. So, um. And Ross, Ross Dellinger was all over this stuff. Uh, but then uh, he spitballed that um, we were going to have um, the next two teams that were going to be added were going to be the two teams that were in your rotation. Yeah. Which meant LSU was going to get Kentucky and Tennessee as their two teams and kind of make out like bandits
2: in this I mean, equation. Like- you, you do make out, I guess, like bandits. But I mean, Tennessee and Kentucky is probably like the three and four from the SEC
0: East. Granted, I, I, well,
2: both of those teams, I think we.
0: I agree. I agree. Them. I agree with you. I mean, it's not like you added uh, Missouri, and, and you we added play
2: Missouri. Florida every year, so we never make out like bandits,
0: right? You know? Well, and that's I think. Well, and when I say made out made out like bandits, I'm talking about compared to the other teams. So, sure. in this whole scenario, you have Alabama adding Florida, right? When they already had you have. <laughs> You have Florida adding Alabama and Texas A&M, which uh, to me Texas A&M is a complete joke, so I don't even like to add them. But you also have, uh, but then you would have Georgia adding. I think it was um, I forget the Mississippi State and another team. I forget who it was, Arkansas or something like that. Something like like they, that. it was really I can't easy. Remember. Yeah, so it's like you have Florida in the East adding another team that they could lose to. You have. Yeah. Alabama and the West adding another team that they can lose to. And then you have LSU and Georgia yeah. looking like they could actually come out of it. And if that's the case, that's who I would see coming out of it. And it's, again, yeah. it's like an SEC gauntlet and who survives this year, but um, that's kind of what I would anticipate. But um, yeah.
2: it, it the uh, the funny thing too, with uh, with that scheduling format, if they went with it is that Alabama would have the toughest schedule in the country.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You play, I mean. Georgia at Georgia. Florida, play, and I forget the, how, the, how it would work out as far as home and away and all that. But, um, yeah, you, you play, still have LSU at you LSU. Six,
2: you play six of the top seven best teams in the SEC. Do they,
0: you think they would have to play Florida at Florida?
2: It would be at Florida. It's, it would? Based on the scheduling format, yeah.
0: So, they would have at Georgia, playing. at Florida, at LSU? Yes. Holy cow.
2: no, no, no. no. Georgia's at home. Georgia's okay. At home. Okay. And then Auburn's on. No, Auburn's at home too.
0: Gotcha. So. Okay.
2: I mean, you split those games at least, but still, I mean, none of those
0: games are easy. No. Um. But the, the Kentucky. Let's go back to the Kentucky and Tennessee. I mean, what our what we didn't want was to add Georgia, right? And add another game That's that was just going to be a tough to game, sport, right? You just West didn't. West you West wanted to stay away from those top tier teams, um. And Georgia and LSU did that. With this, yeah, of course, we have to play teams already that were tough. Right. uh Georgia is comes out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they play Florida and Auburn
2: and Alabama. Alabama
0: sorry, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's not. It's, yeah, their schedule yeah. this year. So it's like ours. It's like ours, be, basically.
2: Their schedule this year was going to be brutal.
0: Yeah, but it was like ours. Like, yeah. so we have Florida. We play Alabama. We play Auburn. We play, you know, yeah. that same kind of schedule. So, but it again, it could be who who survives and who comes out of one or two losses or whatever could, could, could get to the championship game. Yeah. It's going to be a brutal year, but, yeah. but it's going to be so much fun. And that's what I keep trying to remind everybody is like, this is going to be the most fun season you've ever seen in your life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially for going to be able to go to the games. I
0: keep seeing these national people are saying, uh, man, after this year, nobody's going to want to go back.
2: Yeah. I, I love that point. Who said that? Uh, I don't remember who said that I originally. But it was like uh I don't know. It was I Barrett Salee or somebody like that. It, oh, I right. think it was Barrett Salee, actually. Okay. Uh the rare um Barrett Salee yeah, yeah.
0: That's something I agreed with. Yeah, from <laughs> Barrett Salee. Yeah.
2: Um but yeah, no, I love that point that like once this season's done, like everyone's gonna be like, I don't wanna go back
0: to playing Akron. That, absolutely. Yeah, forget these non conference games. Let's just go am- why or or we'll Southern? add some Power Fives or whatever we need to do. But like, I even like the ten game SEC schedule. I I love this. Maybe maybe it's ten mm-hmm. games and you I have two non conference Power Fives.
2: I'd rather go to nine, but uh, I, I ten. Let's let's see how ten goes.
0: I, you know what? And we'll talk to Charles <laughs> Hanegraaff about this because I think we asked him about this as well. But I say screw it. I want to do the SEC the way the SEC wants to do it. And if that means you play 10 games and other conferences play nine or whatever it is, I don't really care. The SEC is the SEC and it's going to be the most dominant conference. And I want to see um, them get consideration for playoffs because of the schedules that they play. Yeah. You know, and I know it's not like that nationally, but. I
2: I think, uh, I think it would be just as fun as a 10 game SEC schedule if you had a nine-game SEC schedule with, um, you know, with something like a uh, – you're struggling over there? <laughs> can
0: you do that for me? All right, fair warning, my back is out, guys. Yeah. My back has gone out. Can you, can you close that blind for me? Do you need me to come over there and do yeah, it? Yeah, I need you to get up and come close the blind for me. The sun is in my eyes. I can't get up, guys. I'm, like, stuck to this chair. I've been here all day long. I'm on pain pills, so bear with me. Oh, that's perfect. There you go, Jackie. Yeah, you can close a little bit. Thank you, Jackie. So, um, back went out on me. I was putting this freaking studio together to make our podcast all professional. Back goes out. Um, and I'm starting this stupid diet today. I shouldn't say that. Brandon Stewart is listening. He's my coach. It's Optavia. It's not stupid, Brandon. Tavia, I thought. Opt. Octavia
2: spelled it wrong.
0: Did I spell it? Yeah. Yeah. He corrected me. I said it on Twitter. I said, is anybody else doing this Octavia stuff? And he, he corrects me. He says, Octavia. I said, sorry, I'm terrible already. Um, sports being back. So how how have the last week of your life been Jack, other than the Pelicans completely blowing it against the jazz.
2: You see, that's the thing. It, it it would be, I would say it has, Incredibly improved, but <laughs> I've been so sad.
0: So yeah. you really got sad about that? I'm just not a I, sad. I'm not a, like a pelican sad guy. um
2: Yeah, I was just. I, I think it was the build-up that that made me sad. Yeah, man. Know? like I've hype been waiting train. for a month and a half since they <laughs> said that they were going to do this, and then we come out and we look fucking awesome in the first half. Yeah, and then we just blow it at the end and don't play our best player that we.
0: And were you all hyped for the Clippers game? No, you weren't.
2: I said, I said to my roommates, I was like, I am so not excited to watch this game right now. Okay. I feel like I'm only doing it because I have to.
0: So, uh, my my Optavia coach, Optavia, Optavia, Optavia. That's
2: that's how it looks like. It sounds. To me.
0: Octavia? Optavia. I think it's Optavia. My Optavia coach. Is also uh, he likes to give me gambling picks, and so for the last couple of nights so we've been betting on a few things, and I'm not doing great. I had no? the I had the Bucks last night, uh, wasn't good. Wasn't Did the Bucks, good. Bucks lose. They lost uh, the Rockets. Ah. Yeah, tough break. I lost on a few things. I lost on the uh, spread. I lost on the first half line, and I lost on the on uh, the over. I had the over. I had a large over though. It's Two forty four. And I oh, still took the over, the Rockets, <laughs> but they, they they didn't get. Oh, it. I mean,
2: what the the Rockets Mavericks game the other day was like ended up being like three fifteen or something stupid.
0: Yeah, that's kind of why I was taking it. I know the Bucks are a better defensive team, but still, but yeah. it was like I think it ended up like at two thirty eight, and I the lost about. Bucks, it by the Bucks eight are
2: a defensive team, but they still play fast. You know, no, I, yeah,
0: they do, but they, they get
2: up and down the floor.
0: They do, but they just have so much length is the thing, especially against a team like Houston, but Houston shot the ball. Well, so if she, if Houston can shoot the ball, well, then they're going to be a problem, but
2: oh, they're always going to be shooting. Well,
0: Question I don't know
2: how much defense are they playing? No, they're
0: shooting. They're taking a lot of shots, but they're not always hitting everything like they were last night. Um, but, yeah, yeah. defensively, they, I mean, if they play a semblance of a defense, then they'll, they usually do really well. I was but. talking
2: about this the other day. I think James Harden will finish his career with the most free throw attempts <laughs> in the history of the NBA. And that, that is one of those records that will never be touched. Yeah. Like, a, the, like the Pete what? Maravich points per game record. It's never going to be what? sniffed. I
0: mean, is it? do you think he has more than, like, Shaquille O'Neal? We'd have to look at that stat. Because, I mean, you know, the he's, hack-a-shack he's been, days and all that? He, yeah, yeah.
2: But, I mean, Harden shot 18 free throws the other day, and they were like, this is a normal game for him.
0: Right. Well, again, guys, we have a very special guest coming on the podcast today. It's Mr. Charles Hanagriff himself we're from Hanging with Hester and Hanny. Uh, 104.5, you can hear them at from 12 to 3, Monday through Friday. We had a great interview with Charles, and I would like to bring him on now. Drumming my six strings On my front porch
2: swing Smell those shrimp they begin to boil Wasting away again
0: and Yeah Hey, can you hear us? Hey,
1: yeah. Hey guys, how you doing?
0: Good, Charlie. How are you?
1: Fantastic.
0: Um, all right. Well, first I wanted to talk to you about uh, SEC scheduling. Obviously I heard uh, last week you had a, a lot of people on. You had heard Benson and Virg Osbury, obviously, uh, talking about SEC scheduling. And, I, you know, it all started with Ross Dellinger um, talking about this, breaking the story, but then it, it we didn't realize it at the time, but he was floating the idea of uh, just going into the next two rotations for the East and West opponents. And um, now all of a sudden the SEC kind of backtracked on that story, obviously, because it probably wasn't correct at the time, but now looking at possible strength of schedule components. And I guess my question for you first is, are we – are they looking at taking a complete scrap of the existing schedules to your knowledge, or are they going to take the existing schedules and just add to opponents? Uh, What are you hearing so far?
1: Well, you're, you're going to keep the opponents you have now, Mm -hmm. as far as I know, that's what, that's what I was told. And they're going to add two. right now. They may not add them in the order that they're in now. They may adjust that a little bit, but No matter what they do, it's not going to be equitable. They will try to make it as close as they can. But Georgia's better than Vanderbilt. And Florida's better than Missouri. And somebody's got to play Georgia and somebody's got to play Missouri. So whoever draws Georgia is going to get a a harder deal. Now, there's no good way to just pop this in there, this Mm -hmm. close to the season and say – Everybody's going to be happy. It's going to be fair. Somebody's going to get a harder draw. I think when they looked at the next two opponents, they immediately saw that Florida, who is a bona fide preseason top 10 team, was going to have an unusually difficult schedule. And Alabama, also a preseason top 10, probably top five team, was going to add Florida from the other side. Mm-hmm. The the league, I don't think, has any desire to actually cannibalize itself. They don't have to. <laughs> they would like to try and get themselves a team or two in the playoffs. So, I don't think anything's off the table. But the pursuit of a fair and equitable schedule uh, is 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 not going to happen. Somebody's going to get the short end.
0: Yeah, and at at this point, you're, I guess, we're kind of looking at Alabama and Florida because they were already had semi-tough schedules and now the teams that were being left out are on the table for them to be added um but not you say though even a even a team like say the say the SEC champion this year has two losses don't you feel like they're going to just be automatically considered playoff contention and then like say you have two teams that are in the same level like say it's LSU and Georgia and both end up with two losses but they win the sec wouldn't you consider both of them being eligible at this point because we're playing such a tough schedule with all sec teams
1: no i don't i think that there is still going to be a natural attraction of an undefeated team Mm. if you have an sec team with two losses versus a big 12 champion with zero losses i think the big 12 champion even if it's Oklahoma who has been, you know, beaten in the playoffs before, they're not supposed to consider that. Uh, a Pac-12 champion that was undefeated, that has been left out of the last two playoffs, I think there'd be a tremendous amount of pressure to include them. Mm-hmm. A Big Ten or ACC champion that were Ohio State or Clemson would be an enormously attractive. No, I don't think it's automatic. I think all things being equal, if everybody's got one lost, then yeah, but if you've got an undefeated power five champion and a two loss SEC team, I think the the undefeated team is going to get the nod because if they don't, then the the other conferences are going to throw their hands up and say, well, it doesn't matter what the SEC does. You're just going to pick their champion. So, mm-hmm. you know, why why are we even bothering? So, no, I don't think it's automatic.
0: Well, and when all this happened with, with, with COVID and everything just kind of changed, It was. I was even thinking: Are we even going to have a playoff this year? Are they just going to go to conference only, and then whoever wins the SEC is basically the the SEC champion? Would be such a prestigious thing at that point. Um, So it was weird to me to to see, you know, that we were going to even have a playoff whenever they were announcing conference onlys. Um, But I understand the money in place and everything. What What are you thinking about um, attendance this year? I I saw what Verge. Osbury put out last week with 50% phase two, 75, phase three. What, do you, what are you thinking that's going to look like right now?
1: And they have 65,000 season ticket holders. The reason that they put this policy out on Friday, I think it was, was to get a gauge of how many people are going to opt out. And the, 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 the number I'm hearing is that they're expecting – Nobody knows, of course, Mm -hmm. is about twenty-five to thirty percent. So, if twenty-five to thirty percent of your season ticket base of sixty-five thousand opt out, it puts you somewhere between forty and forty-five thousand. If you can get yourself into phase two, or even better, phase three, but let's not get crazy. No, that ain't happening. (laughs) Then you get you get to a fifty percent capacity. If you have, let's say, forty-two to forty-four thousand season ticket holders that opt in. Mm-hmm. Then you could offer another 5,000 tickets to the students. They could spread out. Theoretically, you could have a game with about half attendance. Now, that's on paper. You First of all, they've got to get a number of people that are going to opt out and how many people they can expect. Mm-hmm. They have 15,000 student tickets usually. Would they be comfortable with half or even a third of that number? This also doesn't include the suites and club level tickets, which are a a whole different deal. So, what they want to do, what they're still clinging to, is the idea that they can fill the stadium to about half capacity and that they will not force any season ticket holders to either give up their tickets Mm. or to have to choose between games. If all 65,000 opt in, then well they got a problem but they yeah. don't anticipate that so what they're trying to do is having to avoid having season ticket holders make a choice on whether they want to go to the you know the Alabama game or mm-hmm. one of the you know let's say they add uh, a, another home game that's uh, equally attractive like Georgia they don't want to make the season ticket holders pick and choose if they can get that number down into the 40,000 range that that seems doable
0: sounds like filling an airplane in a, you know, when you're going on a trip, <laughs> sounds like what an airline would do to, uh, to fill capacity <laughs> over book. And then hopefully it all works out. Um, it, I think the big question that everybody's having right now is like the social distancing, uh, equation of this and tailgating and how are they, how are you going to be able to, I, you know, we're
1: hearing that just as, as fans, um, you can social distance fifty thousand people at six feet. You that's like I said, on paper, that's doable. But do you really want to sit six feet away from your wife or six no. feet away from your friend? Yeah,
0: students aren't uh, gonna do it. I mean and and a, and a,
1: and a right. lot of people are just gonna say no no thank you. This is what I'm told about tailgating is that if you pull into a lot, you know, and there's a lot attendant. I don't think that you're gonna have to have a SWAT team patrolling the parking lots, there's an attendant. Mm-hmm. That if you want to pull uh, an ice chest uh, out of your trunk and sit on your tailgate and have a beer with the people that you came with, they're probably going to say that's okay. Right. If you want to erect a tent with a barbecue sit pit the size of Denham Springs <laughs> and have eighteen chairs and a big screen TV and a DJ and uh, you know uh, a cornhole tournament, that's probably going to be broken up.
0: Okay, so and, and our our thoughts were we weren't we may not have tailgating at all at some point, and the only way to for them to do that would have been blocking streets off to prevent people on campus. But if you're gonna have if you're gonna have fans, obviously you're having tailgating. So
1: I think they'll they'll allow it in moderation. That you know, again, if you want to sit there and you know four people go to a a game in a Chevy Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And they put the tailgate down, and the four people that came in the same vehicle sit there and have a cocktail. I think they'll probably be okay with that. But if you have 20 people huddled under a tent, you know, watching the other game, and, you know, you've got a big barbecue pit and a big screen TV, I think they're probably going to, I think they're probably going to, you know, knock that out. Now, keep in mind that they hold in their possession the power to ban it all. That if right. they get to September the I don't know, fifteenth or so, and they say, "Listen, you know things haven't progressed the way we want them to. The only way we can have football at all is to have it in an empty stadium." They mm-hmm. can still do that too.
0: Yeah, so they've they've left their options open without going to the extreme first. They yeah. still have it in their back pocket. Um, okay, got you there. Um, let's switch gears a little bit, and we'll talk about football. Uh, talk about basketball a little bit. Um, because that was the news today and just kind of fell on our lap a little bit. But um, I was kind of expecting that with uh, Days Smart, and Watford all returning. Watford, I guess, was the one that everybody kept their eye on a little bit, right? Um, with possibility of still going pro. Because he does have good offensive skills, but defensively, just a complete liability. But um, what what are your thoughts on the team coming back now? And, you know, what kind of position you think they're in for this year? Uh, I know we haven't looked at, like, preseason schedules or anything like – or preseason uh, rankings or anything like that. But what are your thoughts so far as far as the roster goes? Uh,
1: this – first of all, I'm surprised about Watford. Uh, right. I thought that he would go. Not that he would necessarily be drafted uh, in the first round or even at all. But I did think he would go. I think had it been a normal season, a normal draft season, I think he would have gone. Mm-hmm. Getting him back is a huge, huge deal uh, for LSU. It gives, you a, uh, it gives you some size. It gives you a guy that and hit, a, hit a 15-foot jump shot. And right. a guy whose free throw shooting was improving. I think his defensive liability stemmed in part from the fact that he was having to defend down in the paint, where which I don't think that's really his game. So getting him back is a huge deal. I expected Smart and Days to be back, but that's you know that that's terrific as well. What you have now is a a terrifically crowded backcourt, right? Uh, right? You know you have Smart, you have Charles Manning back, you have mm-hmm. Cam Thomas, who is is a five star coming in. Right. You have Eric Gaines. You know you. You have Jalen Cook. There's there's an awful lot to like about the uh, amount of players you've got in that backcourt. So the question becomes about the bigs, and mm-hmm. so we're going to have to ask questions about: Is Brian Penn Johnson, for instance, going to get a waiver and be eligible? Right. That's a seven-foot rim protector that uh, that you're talking about. Is Sharif O'Neal going to be able to get a waiver and start at the at the very beginning? And be able to give you another another big. Is he gonna you know return to, uh, you know return to form that made him a pretty you know highly recruited kid? If they can do those things, uh, and then you, you add Josh Gray, right? Then all of a sudden, well, you've got some bigs. You've got some size. I don't think there's any question that the difference between a team from two years ago and a team last year was team two years ago. Yeah. had Rim Bigby Williams and Nas Reed who could really put some size into the paint last year's team really lagged that so mm-hmm. yeah with, and I, all, if, if you get those guys eligible and you can play them from the beginning mm-hmm. and even though he's, he's a he's a wing I would I would say Josh LeBlanc too right if you can get him from the very beginning of the season then I think you've got a preseason top 15 team with I mean, nearly unlimited potential
0: yeah I mean is anybody at this point not getting waivers Ah, uh, with everything going on, like is that is that something that's still happening where people are getting denied requests?
1: Now, who did I see was denied a request? Yeah, there's a football player. I'm trying to think, but that's insane. The, okay, <laughs> now, hang, well, hang on, hang on. Yeah, probably. But uh, keep in mind that LeBlanc's transfer and O'Neal's transfer were pre-COVID, right? And right. they 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 did not transfer because of COVID. And for that matter. Really, neither did Penn Johnson. Uh, he sure. was—they're transferring for playing time. I—I I would tell you that I'm not going to try to predict what the NCAA is going to do with this stuff, and I think they're more likely to get them than not. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't bet my life on it either.
0: Right, and a lot of our stuff with Watford, uh, you know, talking about his defense is Yeah, I know he was—he was in the paint a lot, but you know, I also saw we—we we had a we're in a Facebook group where we we were having a conversation about this today about. Darius Days would get in a lot of foul trouble. And I I made the comment of, you know, some of that is also to do with Watford's defensive liability. And then somebody like Days and Williams would have to pick up a man uh whenever he was just out of position. And I know I know Will Wade would get on Watford so hard. And that was one of my thoughts was is he getting on him so much that he's gonna go pro somewhere? Um, just not stay in Baton Rouge because he was getting railed at the end of the season. Um i mean I know his I know his offensive game was so good. I mean, it was a guy that could get the ball at the top of the key and then make a drive on anybody, but you know defensively, you know, would you see that they're going they're going to try to to change their approach since they have so much depth now to kind of go into like a pressure defense? Do you feel like that would fit a lot of those guys' games a little bit better?
1: It would certainly go back to the the type of attacking defenses that he ran at b c u right I don't know that he's felt like he's had the personnel to really do that here, but he certainly does now. And listen, I, when I, when I tell you that Watford was was, was playing, you know, in the paint a little bit, I'm certainly not, uh, he's not going to, you know, get confused with Garrett Temple anytime. So uh, I, I didn't think his defense was, was all that great. He's a little bit of a throwback in that he would rather shoot a two than a three, mm-hmm. which doesn't fit the NBA metrics for a right. wing anymore And he's a four perimeter defender, his feet are not as good as you'd like. But those are things that you can work on. You you can work on your defensive position. You can certainly work on your shot. I think the kid's making a tremendous decision because I think he would have probably been a mid to late second round pick had he gone and spent the year in in the G League. I think he's got enough upside that if he had a big year, he could put himself into the back end of the first round and get some guaranteed money. So, I think it's a big, big get. It's a get that, you know, LSU, I don't think, has in a, a COVID-free year. I think if he could have gone to the combine and played in the NCAA tournament and gone through individual workouts, I yeah. think the, the likelihood is that he would have gone. But none of that happened.
0: You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about guys leaving early. And if, you know, if you don't make the first round, obviously you're not guaranteed anything. and You're just having to – even Nas Reed had to work his way onto the roster. He got there, but he had to work his way on the roster. A guy like Tremont Waters is a great example of that where, you know – I know he has a ceiling because of his size, but, I mean, don't you feel like a guy like Tremont Waters? I know we had a shortened season, so it may not have worked out, but a guy like that could have come back and still worked his way into a first round to get some guaranteed money?
1: No, I don't. Um, the the thing that held Tremont Waters up is going to be the, the question mark about him his whole life. He's 5'10", and he wasn't going to be any taller than that. Could he have shot the ball any better? Could he, you know, could he have defended any better? I know he probably got that player of the year, defensive player of the year thing, but mostly because of the steals and right, you could right. certainly body him up. But the, the things that held him back from a draft prospect standpoint, in my opinion, were not going to be fixed with another year at LSU. Not to say he couldn't improve. Yeah. But when they looked at him, they were like, Well, what don't you like? I don't like the fact that he's five foot ten. He's still five foot ten. Mm-hmm. that wasn't going to change
0: yeah and I think we were, were trying to use examples of guys who like Kimball Walker who took over in a tournament one year and then Shabazz Napier was another guy and like you know comparisons like that of guys that could just like take it over but understand understandably like he it was just it's just frustrating to see a lot of these guys leave and then they're not going to be drafted in the first round and, and you go back to well, what, what are we doing why are we leaving early you know is it You know, is there another issue out there or something like that if you're just going to want to take a G League salary or go pro, you know? And a guy like Emmett Williams is understandable. Like, if there's some – you know, he needs to go and he needs to go make money. Um, But he's not going to be a first-round pick, so it's going to be hard to – I mean, you you have to work hard to get to that salary that you need to get to, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, There's a
1: lot of places that you can play basketball now and make – Make very good money. money. Did, the right. G did you, did you League money is better than it used to be. But you even look at a guy, you guys brought up a couple, you know, with, with Reed and Waters. I'll, I'll go back further. I would give you Glenn Davis, who was taken sure. near the top of the second round. No guaranteed money. Right. Parlayed that into, I think, $30 million in an in a NBA career. Mm-hmm. I would give you Brandon Bass from the year before that, who was also picked up at the top of the second round and parlay that into, I think, twice that much money. The uh, uh, Ronald Dupree, uh, who, who went uh, – now, he was a four-year guy, so maybe I shouldn't use him. But he'll play basketball professionally for something like 12 years right? and played everywhere yeah. from, you know, uh, the Ukraine to Australia. Uh, Darnell Lazar is another one uh, that played Mitchell. internationally. Daryl Mitchell. Uh, not some of these guys were four-year players, but you can play basketball a lot of places and get paid to do it. And no, for sure. The money's better than it used to be in that G League. Who,
0: so, let's go back to who who your favorite? And we're big basketball guys. We're huge football fans, but we're also big basketball guys. And, you know, LSU's just on the cusp. And I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so grew up with, with Chris Jackson and Shaquille O'Neal. But who's your favorite LSU basketball player of all time and kind of like season that you can kind of remember?
1: Well, there was nobody that was more fun to watch than Jackson, Mahmoud abdul Um right. I, I said that on the show, our show today, that uh, I've never had as much confidence that a ball was going in the hoop as to when he put it up, and I mean from from twenty feet or yeah. twenty-two feet. <laughs> now I'm not in person. Now I'm not old enough to have seen Pete, Pete Maravich, Maravich right. play in, pers- in person. Um, but I loved the uh, I loved watching him play, the the crossover, the quick release, mm-hmm. uh, the pinpoint accuracy, and his freshman year, he was probably about 165 pounds, and he could he had springs in his feet. I mean, he was they were throwing him alley oops. So I remember his kind of coming out party nationally was against Florida. It was one of those quirks in the schedule where they played a game in December in a conference, and he went for, I think, 53 or 55. Yeah. And they were throwing him alley-oops in that game. And I'm like, this guy's six feet tall. You know, if he stands up real straight. And they're throwing him alley-oops, and you just you just knew he was special. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was – there was also – his sophomore year was my freshman year of college. Okay. So, I had classes with Shaquille. That was, that was the team that was supposed to be the best in, in LSU history. Right, and the chemistry never quite worked out, and they got a bad draw when they ran into Georgia Tech. But right, right. uh that was a that was a fun year. But the, the best year, the year I fell in love with LSU basketball was '81. I was I was okay. obviously a lot younger, but that was the best team in the history of the school. Uh, that that team was tremendous. They went to the Final Four. If Rudy Macklin, who was their best player, doesn't have an injury, mm. uh, I still swear that they were every bit as good as Indiana. Uh, and Macklin had just he. Had, it wasn't a broken finger, was a dislocated. <clears throat> excuse me, finger, and um, you know they had to lead at the half on Indiana. I think they and that was Isaiah Carolina Thomas,
0: Carolina Indiana, right?
1: That is Isaiah Thomas, right, Indiana, right. and he had a he had a big, big uh, second half. That was uh, Randy Whitman and uh, and Landon Turner was there. Big. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was paralyzed the next year in a car accident, wow. but that year he was. Um, He was a tremendous player for them on the inside. But I just thought LSU had the perfect everything that year. I thought they had one of the best shooters in school history in Howard Carter. They had Mm -hmm. a senior point guard in Ethan Martin, who was just a brilliant floor general. They had a defensive enforcer in Greg Cook.
0: They had an athletic
1: forward in Leonard Mitchell. And then Macklin was the best player on the team. That was a really, really good basketball team. You know,
0: I, I was only three. So, but my dad talks about the 81 team all the time. And it was so funny that you brought that up because we, we have another podcast called Since We're on the Subject, and it's it's three guys all my age. And we had Jim Hawthorne on uh, recently, and we asked him about uh, his experiences. And he had mentioned the 81 team because that was one of his first years being the, the LSU basketball broadcast announcer. And he mentioned going to Washington D.C. and
1: I know what story you're gonna tell. Yeah, <laughs> it was
0: amazing, and I had never heard that. I've heard Jim Hawthorne speak. I've, I've you know, I'd, I read his book, but I don't remember this being in there. But he um, was John at Hinkley. the gate. Yeah, he saw him at the gate and had a picture with him in the background, and the FBI confiscated it basically from him. He still has a copy of the picture though, but it's crazy. That's that was the most insane story I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, they, that, that team, it gets talked about a lot in my family for sure. And then I didn't experience LSU basketball. Well, 86 was uh, a year that I remember quite well, but, um, you know, we've done a couple of recaps on our podcast about the, uh, the Loyola Marymount game and the UNLV game from 80, 89 and 90. Um, those years to me were peak LSU basketball and I'm hoping we're close to getting back to that level if if Dick Vitale can get off our case.
1: (laughs) You know, I was at both of those games. I was a student, (laughs) and it remains the only event that I've ever camped out for tickets for because that year LSU decided that you couldn't just – there was such demand for basketball seats Mm -hmm. that they could no longer afford just to have you go in with your student ID. So they said everybody's going to have to go stand in line and get tickets. And what happened was you got tickets for the week. So they picked the day. I want to say it was Thursday, but I might be wrong. Anyway, you got whatever tickets were to games uh, the entire week. And so the the week they played Marymount or the week they played Vegas, there were two SEC games. And if you could imagine playing – think about this today. I think they played Mississippi State on Thursday, or Tuesday, Auburn on Thursday, and Vegas on Sunday or something like that, you Right. those schedules, now they, they fire you, but that was what was so um, maddening uh, a little bit about that season, because they were capable of playing with anybody, oh, I mean, sure. it was a right. team of breathtaking talent, and the other thing was, and, and I think we're getting back closer to this, but it, it's been a long time, the expectation was that they would make the tournament, you know, they made the tournament every year from 79 to 93 with just two years of that being NIT burst. That was right after the Final Four season. Right. And you went into basketball with a tremendous amount of anticipation that at the absolute worst, LSU was going to be in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And you knew that if they got a break and if Dale got them believing that that they had a run in them potentially. like. They did in an '86 and '87, even though they were they were out Ah,
0: still sort and that of won in '87.
1: <laughs> Th- that went away a little bit, uh, you know. In the um, in the 2000s, it was kind of a feast or famine. You know, the 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 2000 team went to the, the Sweet 16, and I was at those games out in Albuquerque. And then the the next team I think finished uh, last or second to last, and then they went to a tournament. And then they, they they had a lot of a lot of players leave and you know they they made the final four in two thousand six and the next year they didn't make the tournament at all. And so it it became difficult to build momentum. When I was in school, they there was an expectation that you'd make the tournament, and I remember going to the purple gold scrimmage when I was a freshman. This would have been in November yeah. of nineteen eighty nine, and there were ten thousand people at the purple-gold scrimmage. And Shaquille almost broke the goal, and Jackson put on a show. And there were 10,000 people there for a doggone scrimmage. I mean, there's been many years where we didn't put 10,000 people in there for Kentucky or the best conference game. So I think that when you get back and you put the program on solid footing and you can string together multiple years where you go to the tournament every year and you know what? Uh, even in a rough year, you know, you're going to be able to be in contention for the NCAAs. That's that's why I would like to see the, you know, the team get back to those type of standards. Yeah, we're so close.
0: I feel like we're right on the cusp right now, and it's finally you have, and we're looking at depth charts today, and it's like you have 13 scholarship players who can actually get on the floor and not embarrass themselves. And it's mm-hmm. like, how long has it been since we've had that, um, you know? We have John Brady on next week. We'll ask him for sure. <laughs> <'Cause>,
1: <laughs> I, yeah, John, John's a, John's, a good friend. Yeah. Uh, I, I do not know that he ever took a team into conference play with the full allotment of scholarships. No, no. He was he was on probation for the first four years, and then the the team that went to the Sweet Sixteen, you know, Strowman left early, obviously. And then there was the year that everybody got hurt, the year that Lamont Rowland broke his knee cap right, yep. And, you know every, and that everybody everybody got hurt. Um, and it was just it was always something, you know, it's like, okay, well, it looks like they got their guys, and then, and then yeah, something <laughs> would happen. And, you know, the the two coaches that they've had since then, and Trent Johnson and Johnny Jones never recruited at a level to to be able to sustain 13 scholarship players. Right. Trent Johnson didn't want them. Uh, he said, I know I'd rather go in with 10. You get to 13 and you get, you know, people upset about playing time. And it, it hurts team <laughs> chemistry, which was something I vehemently disagreed with. Right. But, uh, you know, it, be that as it may, I think you're getting close to that because if, if this coach has said it showed us anything it is that if plan A doesn't work out, there's plans B through W to fill out yeah. that roster and give him the best chance to win.
0: No, I love this backup plans for recruiting too. It's just the smart way to do it now, but all right, we're going to, we're going to ask you a few more things, Charlie, and then we'll let you off the hook. Um, also we're calling this segment, uh, wasting away with Haneyville. I felt, I felt <laughs> like you would appreciate that. And, uh, that, that's our attempts and whenever you I'll, I'll send you the link, but I'll, that's your attempts of, uh, our attempts of trying to get you on as a recurring guest. So, um, but anyway, I wanted to ask you a couple of things about football before we let you go. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about, and I know we were talking about it basically on a 12 game schedule. But Miles Brennan's your your thoughts on Miles Brennan and what your expectations are from him on like maybe statistically? Um, I know we're coming off of Joe, uh, you know, Joe Burrow having the greatest year ever for anybody in the history of the world, but seems like there's a lot of people especially nationally who try to downplay that uh, Burrow's gone John, uh, Joe Brady's gone and so suddenly the offense will regress and everybody's seen and that's great they're underlooking um, uh, Miles Brennan and Steve Ensminger I feel but what what are your thoughts on what what we should what should we expect as far as production goes? And I know it's a 10-game schedule now, and it's a tougher schedule, obviously.
1: I think that Miles Brennan is going to have an excellent year if the offensive line has a reciprocal type of year. Sure. That is, uh, I'm not worried about the skill position people. I I'm not right. worried about Brennan's ability to throw the football. I'm not concerned. Uh, you about feel like his he has arm to- talent. I feel like he's got more than arm talent now. I feel like he had arm talent when he got here. Okay. Now I feel like he's he's filled out. I feel like he's gotten more serious. He's matured. And the type of work that he's put in in this, in this offseason, he has waited a long time. And you yeah. don't wait a long time in the current, you know, in the current landscape of college football, the overwhelmingly popular thing to do is if you don't get, the job, you know, the second year you're on campus is to quit and go somewhere else. Right. And when Joe Burrow did, showed up and Brennan lost the job, not that he had it once Burrow got here, but, you know, when they had that competition, a lot a lot of guys would have left. I, I think better than half the guys would have left. The fact that he stayed and he knew yeah. it was going to be two years, that leads me to, to, you know, believe that that kid was going to put all the time necessary – into being a great football player and being here. If I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong at the end of the season. But I just can't imagine that somebody that is into his fourth season now on campus that has this awesome amount of talent around him that Mm -hmm. has this tremendous chance and sees what can be done here and has had the familiarity with the offense. Remember that when he got here, he was learning Matt Canada's offense. Right. So I can't imagine that he's not going to be successful but it does depend on that line that line's got to gel they've got to fill some holes there if they play well i have no doubt that he will as well
0: it's just crazy to see some of the projections of uh quarterbacks in the sec this year and you have mac jones jamie newman kyle trask and nobody even talks about miles brennan which and and one one half of me is glad because you're underestimating us again and then the other half of me is mad because you're you're not giving us any credit for what we did last year um and you're kind of just basic yeah I mean you got people thinking that we're going to regress to less miles again it's it's nuts to me um but they're about to feel like they're about to have a rude awakening
2: well a lot of that is because of uh we hired Scott Linehan to replace Joe Brady. And uh I'm Mr. Charlie. I'm wondering what you think about uh, Scott Linehan and how he kind of will fit into all this.
1: They're putting him in charge of two things. And I, I, I'm anxious to see what he does with both of them. They're putting him in charge of red zone efficiency. Mm-hmm. And which was something that they were great at a year ago, high touchdown rates. And they're putting him in charge of third downs. So, these are extremely important areas. If you don't win these two stats, you're probably not going to win a lot of games. I I suspect that he will put his own personal touch on some of these things. Uh, you know, for Joe uh, Brady, to me it was the empty set. That was one of the things that mm. was unique, not because they went empty. A lot of people go empty but because they motioned out of the empty and put the tailback on the far outside. Right. And then they ran these combination routes that nobody could cover and they made it work. I don't know. I can't tell you what Lenahan's particular, you know, touch is going to be on this thing, but I do know that they brought him in because he had a variety of concepts that they hadn't used. At least that's what Ed told everybody when they hired him. And Mm -hmm. then they said he's going to be in charge of third down. He's going to be in charge of the red zone. So they gave him the most responsibility without making him a coordinator that you can give him.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah, we talked to Chris Blair before about this as far as like the route concepts and how, you know, he he was talking to the guys before, I I guess, in the game. And he was like, look, if this guy's guarded, this guy's guarded. Well, this guy's going to be open. And it was just kind of like a chess match and figuring things out, even if it was a tight game, even the Clemson game at half. And it was kind of like, well, we, we they know they're going to figure it out. Um, and it seemed that was the case all year. But another big, a big adjustment that I felt like that was made from, you know, 2018 to 2019, it was night and day, was how these receivers could catch everything all of a sudden. Um, and I don't know exactly where that came from, you know, if it was – Uh, Joe Brady or you know Steve Insminger, or a combination but that's one of the things that I think I was I'm wanting to see if it can continue and I know you have special guys back there now uh, you know playing wide receiver but I want to know if they can catch the same way and if if that if that's the case then I don't sky's the limit right?
1: They did bring some additional drills into that as I was told Um, you know these things where you're your vision is impaired and they, they throw you the ball anyway, the way this quick turnaround, you know, the, the open the door and throwing the ball through the door type of stuff. So I don't know who came up with those drills. If it was Brady, if it was in it came from They're still there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, whatever they were, they, they, they worked. worked. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of what I was, wanting to hear uh it's almost like validation I need somebody to at least tell me that that's still happening and that uh I heard you today and I want to praise you uh to tell me that Auburn is better than Texas A&M um because I'm seeing (laughs) a lot of I'm seeing a lot of predictions out there that are crazy to me and if you hear my last podcast it was about uh how my hatred of Texas A&M and how They're already going to lose three games, and now it's a potential fourth loss for them, depending on what the schedule comes out for them uh, this week. I I would assume.
1: Uh, Is that what? There's no team with more to lose in the scheduling uh, musical chairs than A&M. Oh, right. Absolutely. They had four games in the non-conference that they could have won blindfolded, Mm -hmm. and the toughest games in their conference schedule didn't come until the very end. Um, So. Whatever they get is going to be harder than what they had before. Right. So, when you look at predictions, and, like, we pulled up the over-unders today, but they haven't been updated yet because nobody knows who they're going to play. Their yeah. over-under was nine and a half wins before this all – Right. You know, before this all came and about. And I said, well, take
0: your 401K out and bet the under.
1: Um, you know, <laughs> that was – that was with – that was giving you four wins. I mean, that that was four. You started the season with four wins before you picked right. the football up. Well, that's, that's no longer the case.
0: Yeah. And so let me ask you this and we can kind of close it out a little bit, but LSU, what, what we were thinking of, especially with miles Brennan, you know, being the new quarterback, I understand he's been in the program for a while, but it was kind of like, we need to see how accurate he is. We want to see his decision makings. And, you know, a, a test would have been Texas obviously at home, but the first big test to me was gonna be Florida at Florida. Um and a big crowd, you know, loud, um, you know, you know, just a raucous kind of environment for him to handle. And now with possible restrictions of attendance, do you feel like that's a little bit better situation um for him to be able to handle and kind of going forward like uh, do you feel like this sets up pretty well for LSU as far as I I know you have Alabama at home and you know you would have a crazy crowd atmosphere for that normally and if you if you have a limited attendance then that that might hurt that a little bit but you know at Florida at Auburn which would have been a tough environment do you feel like this sets up uh, really good for them as far as a new quarterback and situation
1: if they keep the the schedule that is already in place in place, mm-hmm. it'll be a I think a very good place for them in the open uh, to open at home against Ole Miss, mm-hmm. new coach, the normal first game kinks. I like that an awful lot. Right. Uh, I was never wild about them moving Auburn to November. I I know what the team is like when they get out of the Alabama game and. Really, the last thing I want to do is turn around and play Auburn two weeks later, but <laughs> right. in case they're Um And, and then uh, an aggravated Texas a and team the week after that. But uh, th- this was what Auburn asked for. They they didn't want to play Georgia and Alabama in a three-week stretch, so the league said, okay, we'll show you. We'll let you play Alabama and LSU instead. Right. Uh, so that part I'm not wild about. The Florida game stays where it is. I think they're going to fill in my official prediction, by the way, is that they are going to fill in with Tennessee and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And th- those games will be, you know, in the middle. Uh, about the only thing I don't like about this schedule is where they play Auburn. Uh, if right. I had my druthers, uh, I would have kept Auburn either where it was or I would have moved them even further up in the in the pecking order. So, other mm-hmm. than that, yes, uh, I'm I'm fine with how the schedule might play out. Now, if they get Georgia and Tennessee – Right then, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a a decidedly different opinion.
0: Yeah, and Auburn will get Vanderbilt twice. Is that what y'all have been saying on Hester and Hanny? Right? Uh,
1: Alabama will.
0: Alabama will sure. get Vanderbilt twice. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I love that joke. All right. So, any other questions, Jack? For you? Uh, nothing other than. Uh,
2: I just wanted to let you know, Mr. Charlie, that I stole Mr. Buddy's money last night when we played a little gin.
1: So okay good good
0: we want to have you back on Charlie you you've been a uh you've gotten me through college by the way so I used to listen to you I think three o'clock hour uh was that WIBR
1: uh yeah the guy that that's you're going back a little ways now
0: yeah that was uh and that you know you were the one I like to listen to because you had the trivia and I mean the trivia you had the just the knowledge off the top of your head that that a lot of guys don't. And um just wanted to tell you that. I I've been listening to you for a long, that, long time. How, how is uh how's it working with Hester right now?
1: It's working really good, you know. Um it, it, he's very easy to work with. Um the the biggest challenges uh that we had was we did uh, you know, a month's worth of shows with no games. <laughs> and that's, I hear you.
0: We started a you podcast know, right when they uh, right when they uh, shut the LSU baseball season down.
1: I, we we're going uh, into all Miss. You, I, <laughs> I was um, I, I was getting tired of doing shows with no games. Uh, that that's not. Did that Jacob was too. So now that we got games back, and I know it's going to be a little while for college football, but um, right, it it's make it a lot live. easier to do a sports right. show with actual sports. Well, and I no, did love.
0: I did love you and Jimmy's um, countdown uh, with all the the different games over the years. So oh, the
1: 40 for 40. Yeah. Uh, that was
0: great. And we were doing LSU Rewind segments on our podcast. So we were trying not to copy you too much. And then every now and then we would have something fall in our lap. You know, it was just kind of the same thing. But y'all actually mentioned, uh, I think y'all had a brief mention today about Cecil Collins. And we have a whole episode re- uh, just revolving around Cecil Collins. Um, yeah. So, just a, one of those. Whenever, whenever his name gets talked about, I just
1: finish. well, well, invite me, invite me back, and I'll tell you the story about when Cecil Collins was getting recruited. So, oh, we'll, I can't. We'll wait. save that one for next time.
0: Absolutely, Charlie. We appreciate your time, buddy.
1: Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Anytime. All right. Bye bye.
0: Great, great talking to Charles Hannagriff That was fun. That was fun. Um, man, he like I said, he's gotten me through college. Three o'clock hour on WIBR, I would just drive around, probably waiting for like my next class, going in the locket or something like that. And Charles Haner group would be on talking about uh, talking about basketball. And I think John Brady was probably right around that time. And now we have John Brady maybe coming on next week. So, um. Anyway, I, I thought it was great to hear from him on some of the things I think fans have been talking about, which was, you know, are we going to have – first of all, are we having football? Second of all, are there going to be fans in the stands? How is this possible? That How can you limit social distancing?
2: Okay. <laughs> how, how shocked were you when you saw that Virg Osbury is said something about having fans in oh, the stadium just in general?
0: 50% I, – I, 50% no they re, they fixed it it was uh, I think somebody misquoted that at first but it was it's 50% phase two 75 phase three which I don't know if 70 I don't know if phase three is going to happen like he was saying but phase two 50% but how do you social distance student sections I, you, you're gonna be a, you're gonna have to like have a sign saying, "Hey, please, please stay apart from each other and wear masks." And then everybody gets in the stadium and they just take their masks off. And
2: okay, so <laughs> so I was at I I don't mean to be a snitch here, but oh, I was at uh, snitch alert. We were playing golf at Greystone. Me and Papa were right. And uh, there the, he beat oh, you. He said he said he, he beat had, you ninety three to ninety five. He played his ass off. <laughs> I uh, I actually I tripled like the first three holes and then I. Uh, played pretty well the rest of the day, but couldn't quite get out of that. Um, But there's no one wearing masks over there. Like, they say wear masks, but, like, no one's wearing a mask over there. Right. Like, I I could see a situation where LSU's just like, hey, wear a mask, and just tells everyone wear a mask, and then just doesn't enforce anything.
0: Right, right. It was
2: like, you know, at least they said something, and – maybe there will be some people that do wear masks, but
0: I mean, I, I can see them wearing a mask coming in and then you're going to see half of the crowd that actually arrives, take their masks off. And what are you expecting marshals to remove people? Like I, right. to me, that's not going to happen. And so it goes back to, Okay. You'll have 50%, but I love his perspective of that where it's like, look, you're probably going to have season ticket holders opt out anyway because either their fear of the season not happening or their fear of, um, you know, having to do something different than they're used to or actually going to the game and not wanting to be in crowds. Um, So that makes a lot of sense as far as why you would put those kind of parameters on there. But at the end of the day, what that means is, Bring the crowds because we want people in the stadium, yeah. uh, which was a little – I was surprised. I've i I'd been thinking the whole time that we were going to go conference only, and it, no, no fans or very, very limited fans. I'm talking like a couple of thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't expecting 50,000 or, Jesus. you know, something like that. That's that's a number I wasn't even anticipating.
2: Yeah, I wasn't thinking about being in a crowd that large until twenty twenty.
0: But now I'm getting very excited, and like we talked about, I'm getting very excited at the possibility of crowds in the stadium, uh, first of all, I think is a, is a good thing. But the next thing is our situation, and it almost sounds like he's saying Dellinger is right, um, that it is going to go back to rotations, and you are going to end up having Tennessee and Kentucky be your right. your two, which means –
2: Okay, let's talk about that too, that roster. Sure, so
0: Yeah. I don't believe – Ross Ellinger later
2: said, I was just spitballing.
0: I don't think he was spitballing. No, you weren't. I think Ross he I said it I early. I just spitballing. I think he said it early when he probably wasn't supposed to say it early. I agree with you completely. Yeah. Um,
2: and then someone was like, hey, let's let's like say – Hold name. on
0: now. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Saban said we don't want that, so let's just say that's not completely legit. Like, right I now. mean,
0: let's talk about – all right, so Bama, Florida, Texas A&M. All three of them getting the screw job on this one, man. Yeah. And it's, it's like, well, I mean, what's the other scenario? What other options do you have? But if that schedule stays in place, and we talked about this, if that schedule stays in place, it's LSU and Georgia in the SEC championship game. I am willing to make that prediction right now if that schedule stays in place. And I think what we need to do is if they have that – if they have the – if they roll those schedules out uh, this week – uh, which I think they may be I having think a could come
2: as soon as tomorrow.
0: Right, we're gonna have to do another prediction show. Yeah, and we'll do that next week uh, so on for Yeah, and it's great because tomorrow we ha we're on the SEC Bias podcast. Oh, yeah. So look for us there. We'll shout that out on Twitter. But uh, SEC Bias—that's um, Shelby and Kate. Shelby is a big Texas A&M fan, and Kate is a big Florida fan. So I can't wait to talk to them about the new schedules um
2: that, that might be the two schools that I hate in the SEC the most
0: yeah I, I mean, just sh- in terms of well for Alabama just in to terms me. Of
2: fans I mean I'm not saying I hate Shelby and Kate but like, no not them
0: they're great <laughs>
2: just as a group
0: yeah uh Shelby's gonna she's gonna get tired of hearing me talk about Texas A&M because mm-hmm. she's been hearing it for the last couple of weeks already she's but sport, she is um all right so We want to give another big shout-out to our sponsor, Courtesy Automotive Group, Courtesy Buick GMC in Lafayette. Uh, They've been really, really good to us. Brandon Lejeune, I'm going to put all of his information out on Facebook. You guys give him a like and a follow on Facebook. That would be great. Um, We have our new studio, guys. So we're going to send this out on YouTube. So we'll have a YouTube link and everything else. I'll start shouting that out as well. You guys can kind of take a look at us while we're podcasting. Um, but also, uh, big shout out to bandit radio. Um, so bandit radio three on Twitter.
2: Did you say this is going on YouTube?
0: Yeah, we have a YouTube channel. Sick. Yeah. So get your shit together, Jack.
2: <laughs> I didn't know that.
0: Stop slouching. Um, look at the camera. Can you look at the camera, please? Oh my God. All right. No so hey, and get that. the, get the, get the Dasani out of the way of the LSU helmet. Move it out! No, move it out! This isn't a Saban press conference. All right, so we got some gear coming from um, from uh, Brandon at Courtesy Automotive Group. We're going to have some uh, Courtesy swag coming soon as well. But um, again, special um, special guest this week was Charles Hannegriff. He's he's been a, a legend here in Baton Rouge Talk Show Radio. Uh, you can hear him on 104.5 ESPN. Uh Hester and Hanny does a great job on there. Uh hopefully he can hook us up with Hester too. Uh we'll get Jacob Hester on one day and we can do a uh rewind to LSU Florida. That sounds good, huh? Yeah, awesome. now you're just looking at yourself in the camera the whole no, time. I'm just
2: looking straight at the
0: camera. After we said this, after I talked to, to you about this, now you're completely obsessed with the camera. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, we are going to wrap it up this week. Um, But again, uh, reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, We're going to have a lot more shows coming at you and a lot more guests coming at you. Now, we've gotten through, we've busted through our uh, little, we had 22 episodes of like, or 21 episodes of just like fluff, I feel like. And now it's hardcore. We're going to town. We have a studio. Let's get it going.
2: Yeah, we have a studio with things to talk about.
0: We have things to talk about. We have sports happening. Let's get it all. One Team, One Podcast, a Bandit Radio Productions.